This episode contains sensitive content that may be triggering for some listeners. If you find yourself becoming triggered, we encourage you to pause, take a break, and reach out to a trusted friend or source. Please take care while listening. By the time I was 15, I ended up committing, or trying to commit suicide due to the um, following shortly after my um, abortions. The man who sexually abused me, he was very strategic about it, and we know that statistics show that uh, men who sexually abuse or um, uh, women, girls, uh, usually you know them. And so he was known in, in my life, and he had access to me. I, I couldn't commit suicide. You know, I didn't succeed. So to me, it was like, I can't seem to get this right. Uh, so that internal pain, what became was an external um, behavioral, toxic behavior that came out, and my pain was just self-destruction because I disregarded my life. That's the way that I grew up. You know, my body was disregarded. My identity was, you know, I was, I felt I had no worth. No one told me I had a purpose or a destiny. And so I needed to, I've never been loved like this. I, I've never felt this love. I, what is this, you know, and who is this Jesus that, that I was just introduced to that I yeah. can't see, but I certainly felt, you know, an experience, an encounter. I had an encounter with him. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Hey friends, and welcome to this very special episode of Get Up Girl. Every episode of this podcast holds a special place in my heart, but this one today has a very unique role. Not only is this episode celebrating the one-year birthday of Get Up Girl, but the woman you will hear today is actually the inspiration behind this entire podcast. She is very near and dear to mine and my husband's hearts. She is a mentor, a mama, a teacher, a preacher, a prayer warrior, a feisty fighter, and a safe place for many people's hearts, including my own. So it is my honor and privilege to introduce you to my Puerto Rican princess, Miss Liz. Well, hey, girl, welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl, a podcast inspired by women of all cultures and backgrounds who have been toe to toe in the ring of discouragement, disappointment, defeat, and how they got back up to fight. Each episode, we'll be discussing, well, all the things marriage, business, parenting, racial divides, grief, loss, and everything in between. We believe that you will be encouraged by these women through their stories. So come on, girl. It's time to get up. I'm super excited because I don't even know if I've told you this I don't know if I've no, told you. because we haven't talked since. I don't know if I've told you the whole story. Mm-mm. Okay. So tell me. So <laughs> Tell me because. So I'm going to tell you. So the podcast is a year old. Mm-hmm. So we're celebrating one year. And I specifically wanted to have you as our one year episode because you are the inspiration behind the podcast. Mm-hmm. So this was two years ago, over two years ago. Um, and I don't even know if you remember this, but you were over here at my house. I had some people over, um, we did like a dinner or something. I can't remember. There were like seven or eight of us over here. Anyway, 
And so you were standing right over there and you were tell you were talking to us and you said that when you go through hard times in your life, you give yourself three days to sit in it. And you know, you were over there, got your arms going, you were like oh, yeah. Puerto Rican, yeah, like coming out. Like, you got yeah, two yeah. days in the grave until you got a resurrection. <laughs> yeah. And so you said you said you give yourself three days and we were all like, Why? What what's why do you give yourself and you were like three days to just sit in it, wallow in it, cry, be mad, whatever. And then and the then I move day, on. The third day you resurrect. The third day. And so we were like, Well, why why three days? And you said, Well, because if it was good enough for Jesus Mm-hmm. It was, it's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. said, and so on day three, the Holy Spirit says, get up, girl. It's time. Mm-hmm. Get up. It's time. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was sitting here and I was like, get up, girl. And I think I told, I, I told you or somebody, but I was like, I need that framed, like uh-huh. in my office, on my wall uh-huh. or whatever. Um, but what's so interesting about that moment is I had no idea what was coming down the road about three or four months later. Uh uh And so that phrase, get up girl, that you spoke just really stuck with me. And then, and and now looking back, you know, I realized that obviously that was the Lord like speaking through you, but gave me that phrase because that is what held me through what I, what was coming my way a few months down the road. And uh, so, and then, you know, as I was walking through that time, that's when the podcast kind of, the Lord just dropped that dream in my heart. And I immediately knew I had to call it Get Up Girl. I was mm-hmm. like, that's that has to be the name of it. And mm-hmm. I wanted it to be testimonies and stories of women who have been through some stuff and how mm-hmm. they got back up. Mm-hmm. And so I don't even know if I've ever told you that, but you're you're actually the inspiration behind mm-hmm. the podcast. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, of course, Miss Liz has to be <laughs> the one year <laughs> episode. It's only fitting. <laughs> So here oh we are. God. Oh my God! Yes, here we are. So here we are. The Lord knows. Um, and I mean, I to other people, I call you my spiritual mama. You you are my spiritual mama, my Puerto Rican princess, spiritual mama. Um, and so I'm just really thrilled and honored to have you on the podcast and um, for you to share your story. And I know you have such a powerful testimony. And um, you know, you and I have served together in ministry. Um, yes. Almost every time I'm with you, you speak life over me and. Um, I don't know that we've ever departed ways and you haven't prayed over me, you know? So, um, you've just been such an influence in my life and, and such a, um, just, just such a rock for me and for Philip too. I'm in Philip's known you way longer than mm-hmm. I have, but, um, you really have just been such a, a strong point for me in my life. So I'm just really excited to have you on and just for people to hear your story and what God's done through you. So why don't you take it away? I'm super excited <laughs> about being here. Um, it's an honor and a privilege uh, because, you know, th- during the times that I've known you, um, you have been a blessing in my life too. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's what we forget. Um, so when you start saying those things from your heart and, and you know, we, I, I, it just kind of makes me like want to hide because, you know, I don't like the limelight <laughs> or any, any of that. But... Um, but one of the things that I'm so truly blessed with is just to know you and to know, you know, us working together and ministering together and all the women that, that God puts in my life to, uh, to give me the opportunity to, you know, speak in their life. But it also causes me when I see their bravery and, and their momentum and when they rise, um, it causes me to also in my own little, you know, times of, of, 
uh, going through my process to rise, you know, to get up, like you said, get up, girl. You know, yeah. and I've, I'm actually. It's interesting that you um, you uh, you called me and uh, asked me to come and, and do the podcast because I'm like, oh, I am getting up because I am going through a season right yeah. now in my life, yeah, um, on plan, on unex- unexpected. And, um, and it could have not come at a better time. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Look so, at that. So you're in your own season of getting back up. That's yes, interesting. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. And, um, I know you wanted to, sh- for me to share a little bit about my testimony. Yeah. Um, so I will, I will tell you, uh, just enough. Uh, what I did was I, I was praying and I sought out the Lord and I said, what should I share? And I think, um, because my life was such a mess, you know, mm. um, prior to me coming to the Lord, I wanted to just kind of hone in on the most um, uh, traumatic uh, times in my life that kind of set a spiral for me mm. um, early on in, in my life. And uh, because God did the most, the greatest uh, work in healing um, from those areas. But um, as early as I can remember, um, let me see. Tell you a little bit about my family, real short. Yeah, uh, I come from. Um, my family was, you know, what they know, what you would call now the middle class. You know, my mom worked in the medical field. My father had his own, you know, business. And um, although she was, she had been remarried, he was the best at father that I could ever, exp- you know, anyone can can ask for. Um, and um, you know, one day my my dad, um, when I was ten. And I'm moving up a little bit here. My dad uh, got shot and killed. Mm. Um, so the only person I've ever experienced a genuine love from the hand of a man was my stepdad. Um, so when I was about four years old, I, I, I remember that was about, yeah, it was about four years old. I was sexually abused. And it went on into probably to my early teens. Mm-hmm. Um and it was a very difficult for me that was because as a survivor of child abuse a lot of times we live with a lot of guilt uh but the um the man who sexually abused me he was very strategic about it and we know that statistics show that uh, men who sexually abuse or um uh, women girls uh, usually you know them mm-hmm. and so he was known in, in my life and he had access to me and what he would do is he would um he would take me to a quiet place and he would reward me for the abuse mm-hmm. um so he covered it yeah in in a way where it did not seem it was harmful if right. if if I can. So, of course, I'm four years old. He will give me a dollar and I would go and buy candy. Yeah. Um, so that went on for a while. Um, and um, and I, by the time I was 13, um, I, I, was, uh, I got raped. It was a date rape. By the time I was 15, um, I, um, by the time I was 15, I ended up committing, no, trying to commit suicide due to the um, following shortly after my um, abortions. Mm-hmm. And um, and now, I mean, now medically you know that uh, there's post-traumatic syndrome yeah. for women who have gone through abortions. But, uh, you know, I was 15, I, I didn't know any better, and that, those things you just don't talk about. So mm. for me that was a very traumatic experience because I, I was not aware I was... Uh, 
pregnant. I was very far along in my pregnancy and I was taken to the hospital. I mean, the doctor was paid $400 under the table, some high end doctor in Manhattan. And I was dropped off at the doors of a hospital. I was never told what was going to happen and what was going to take place. And um, so I was left there for mm, three days. And at the hospital, mm -hmm, at the hospital. Oh my gosh. mm -hmm, Because I literally uh, had, I was, I literally gave birth to, to my child at the age of 15. Wow. And who, who dropped you off at the hospital? My, my mother. Oh, okay. My mother. Um, and so, um, and bless her heart. I mean, she didn't know. She just thought she's young. And, you know, at that time, my mother was raising three daughters. Yeah. She was at a wedlock, a widow. She was in her own pain. Yeah. Um, her own brokenness, which I came to. That was part of my healing as well and my forgiveness towards a lot of things because she was, she was a good mother. But once she lost my father, it, it, she lost herself, mm. um, as we do when we are impacted by some you know, tragic event in our lives. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Yeah. Um, and, um, but after that, you know, it was my, my, the darkness of the pain that I was in, um, I could no longer carry, I, I couldn't commit suicide. Mm. You know, I didn't succeed. Yeah. So to me it was like, I can't seem to get this right. Um, so that internal pain, what became was an external, um, behavior, toxic behavior that came out. And my pain was just self-destruction. And when I couldn't destroy myself, then I, I, anything that was around me then became what, what really I was looking for almost like, well, if I can't kill myself, I'll position myself, um, to then have someone else. So I would look for who can set off, set me off. You know, I remember it was maybe, oh my goodness gracious. I called myself, you know, I was a hot, Puerto Rican mess because I really was a Puerto Rican mess. And now, now you're just a hot Puerto Rican. Yes. No. Well, God dealt with me about calling myself hot Puerto Rican mess. He said, "I don't want you calling yourself hot Puerto Rican mess anymore. You can call yourself holy mess, but not hot Puerto Rican." Yes. Mess. Um, and uh, I remember I had made up my mind at that time that I would not allow any more pain. I would not allow anyone to hurt me again. And I didn't know how I was going to protect myself because, like I said, the only um, the only man that I've ever experienced true, genuine love was from my stepfather. So when my stepfather died at the age when I was ten, and then all these things mm. kind of spiral. I just felt alone. I felt broken. I had, you know, I've dealt with rejection, just just horrible. That I just felt I was not protected. So I said, I'm going to take it up on myself. So. I know this is going to make you laugh, but I remember being maybe about 100 pounds, 4'11", and I used to walk around with a knife in my pocket that, I mean, Crocodile Dundee did not come (laughs) even close to what I carried. But that was where I was. Yeah. And I was just looking for a reason, a battle, because I I was positioning myself. I couldn't deal with the pain, and I'm like, I got to position myself for a fight. Yeah. You know, but it was the wrong fight. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, if I can't kill myself, then I'm going to have to, somebody's going to pay. I was looking for where to mm-hmm. unleash the pain and the hurt that I was carrying. Um, and I think about seven, 16, I was 16 and I was dating. 
And I remember that day. And I don't know how God, you know, supernaturally. I'm here because of God's supernatural yeah. protection and power. That's all I can say. But, mm-hmm. And I remember that day. I was going out uh, with my boyfriend. And I had determined that particular day, I said, um, if he starts, because he was verbally abusive. So I, was, mm-hmm. I, I just had a, a life from early on of toxic relationship and unhealthy things. And, um, and I decided I got in the car, pulled my knife out, I put it in the glove compartment, and I said, if he starts with me today, uh, today I'll, I'll, I'll kill him. Oh my gosh. And um, so he got in the car and he started with his mouth and mocking me and making fun of me. And this rage, which I know now it's a spiritual, you know, yeah. uh, person knew that that was a, a rage that was just overtaken by a demonic force. Because you just don't, the anger and the pain to want to take someone's life, it's just, it's just not normal. It's mm-hmm. not a normal behavior. And um, so I remember turning to him and I said, I'm going to kill you. And I went to the glove compartment and I opened the, I tried to open the glove compartment and the glove compartment will not open. And I kicked that glove compartment and I kicked it and I kicked it and it would not open. Something supernaturally was covering that glove compartment because I would not be here. I would have been doing time uh, or dead. You know, yeah. Um, so I always position myself mm. in very deadly situations because I disregarded my life. Yeah, that, that's the way that I grew up. You know, my body was disregarded, my identity was. You know, I was. I felt I had no worth. No one mm. told me I had a purpose or a destiny. You're valuable from the be- from an early point in my life. Um, that's how I was treated. Yeah, you know that's that was the identity that I was given mm-hmm. at, at that time. So, you know, dying was not, you know, for me anything to be afraid of. During those times, I just did, didn't have any regard for anything. And I remember yeah. I was out one night with a friend, and um, and I remember seeing this uh, young man out in the street. And I told my friend, um, "Come on, let's go." And I had a little badge because I was so bad that. Um, I had friends who tried to keep me on the right track, and mm-hmm. so everybody knew me in, uh, in under the train track in Westchester Avenue in the Bronx. And so when the t- the detectives used to make their runs, you know, they mm-hmm. would they would keep an eye out on me and say, "What are you doing out this late?" And so I made a few friends. Uh, they tried <laughs> to keep me straight, but it didn't work. And I remember one of them uh, had given me a little badge. Uh, a little badge to hold and he said if you ever get in trouble just let me know a call on me you know and I was like yeah 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 but little did he know that I was just there was no hope when you say badge like a little you know one of those little badges that they give you not like a real officer's badge but you know how they have those little giveaway and things like that but it looks like a yeah but it was small it was about you know it's about an inch you know uh, big (laughs) but you know if you're out selling drugs in the street Mm -hmm. he's not gonna know yeah so I was that bold, and I was just that fearless. I didn't care, you know. I mean, the guy could have killed me. So I go with my friend, and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go, and I'm going to pretend I'm going to be an officer, and you better play along. We're going to take whatever statue he has on, you know. And uh, so we walked up to him, oh and we were in the city, and there was, you know, in, in Manhattan. And so the buildings are tall, and you can't see because the lights are not on. And here I am, you know, I'm 4'11", you know, 100 pounds soaking wet. Uh-huh. And I'm just like this tough cookie. And I just like, you know, I just walked up to him and I'm like, hey, 
um, you know, I'm officer so and so. Here's my badge. <laughs> and and he looked at me. He's I said, don't move, just just smile. Just I went through the whole <laughs> the whole speech oh like on gosh. TV. Mm-hmm. I said, don't laugh, don't you know? Let me just uh, let you know we're being watched. So just smile. Just give me whatever you have. Give me your stash. What did you have? What do you have? Just hand it over to me. You know? Did he hand over his? Yes, stash? he did. <laughs> yes, he did. He handed over the stash. And, uh, and unfortunately, I must say, my friend and I smoked it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that was the kind of life I lit. Yeah. I just careless, you know, fearless. I was, I was not afraid of dying. So uh-huh. you told me to go and do, and I would do. Wow. You know? And um, I, I had no qualms about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whoever stood in my, in my way. My thing was like, get him out of the way, even if you have to kill him. Mm-hmm. That was... The darkness and the pain that I was in, I went from that to numbness to then, you know, an external mm. destruction. And that's why toxic behaviors uh, come from, yeah. you know, uh, from trauma, mm-hmm. you know, from, from areas in our lives that are not healed. And, um, and, uh, but God had, a, God had a purpose and I'm thankful because regardless of whatever area I position myself, um, my own decisions, my own choices that I made, the consequence of that should have been death. Mm -hmm. No doubt. But something so supernaturally was always intervening. Uh, and, and, and so there was always an intervention and I knew, but I couldn't understand why, Mm -hmm. you know, now I know, now it makes sense. Now, yeah. Now I know. know. Um, okay, so can we, let, can we backtrack? Yes. Can we go back to, so you said when you were 10, it was your stepfather that was shot? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And so your biological father, your parents were divorced, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. So when your stepfather was shot, what, as a 10-year-old, I mean, what was that like for you? Like, what, what, can you kind of walk us through, like, that time? Oh, I mean, it was, um, I felt, uh, out of, I felt like I was dying inside. Mm-hmm. See, because when my mother, um, bless her heart, I love my mom. My mom was a wonderful mother and, and, but my mom out of her pain would, um, discipline me in, in the most forceful way. Mm. And what we know now to be or would consider, you know, like child abuse. And I had two other sisters. But um, but I was the one that looked most like my biological father. So I was a reminder mm. of, of, of her pain, yeah. if you will. And so my stepdad will always step up and cover me and defend me yeah. and would intervene and would just love on me and, and mm. don't touch her that way. Don't hit her that way. And don't, you know, and I, I asked you to stop doing that. And so in all that, and that was, you know, when I realized, when I look back, how I survived some of those early childhood um, abuse was because my, because I had a safe place mm-hmm. with my dad, with my stepdad. Yeah. And so when he passed away, I, I felt helpless. Mm. I remember being on the great, you know, when we went and um, we were picked up from school, he was, he had not been seen for a couple of days. Uh, we lived in Puerto Rico back then. And um, it was a robbery and that had taken place, but they had not, they had not found 
his body until three days after. Mm. Um, so we knew something was going on and just overhearing conversations in the house. And, um, and we were picked up from our school and taken to our grandmother's house. And that's when we were told. So mm. I was still in disbelief and in shock because um, I, I just, you know, I just couldn't, you just can't grasp that at 10 years old. Yeah. And it was not until we went to the funeral home that I saw my, my stepdad there that that's when my life was... Um, I just I didn't want to live. I didn't. Yeah. Want to, I couldn't live without him. I I said, I, there's no way. Where do I go? Who do I turn? I have no one. Yeah. And I remember being um, standing at the grave when they were lowering his casket, and um, I went to throw myself, and my one of the uncles grabbed me because I'm like, I you can't, you can't leave me. <laughs> you can't yeah. leave me behind. Yeah. So. It was the only time in ever in my life that I can honestly say um, that I experienced love, mm. you know, in my early childhood. Yeah. And you said the sexual abuse started at when you were four? When I was four. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, did you ever, when that was going on, or, or really at any point, did you ever tell anybody, um, or did anybody ever have any suspicions that that was happening to you no because remember back in my days that was not something that was talked about Mm -hmm. or discussed in a family um it it was it was scary because now after so many years you go back and you think well certainly if i was abused my other sisters my sisters were abused and Mm -hmm. we never talked about that Mm -hmm. um I recently had a conversation with one of them as a result, and we were able to share our stories. And um, we didn't go into depth, but after, what, I'm 51 now? Are you? Mm Mm-hmm. You look so good. I'll be 52. Um, We were able to share the most, um, you know, shameful, if you will, shameful, experience um after so many years and it's sad because we can never talk about it not even amongst ourselves yeah um so um so i was thankful and grateful that my sister and i had that opportunity to do that mm-hmm. um and she's finding some closure um i have been you know the lord has healed me from from a lot of of all that trauma and i am so thankful for that because i did experience a radical salvation Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just, I became that radical person that they say, oh my gosh, she's lost her mind. She went from totally from drinking, binging and, you know, and, and this fearless warrior, crazy woman carrying in the a streets, knife on her <laughs> uh-huh, to this Jesus freak, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so I was radically like completely, uh, transformed, mm-hmm. but, um, but my soul needed healing. Yeah. My soul needed healing. And only God knew um, the, the process in which to take me through. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was, let me see, I was 19 when I got pregnant. And I had Kirsten at 20. Mm-hmm. And I was in a seven-year relationship. Uh, he was the nicest um, man. Um, in, uh, that I met, um, he would, uh, he was very kind and, uh, generous and he took the role of, uh, becoming Kirsten's, um, 
stepdad. And so she knew, Kirsten knew him as her dad mm-hmm. because her dad was just not in her life. That was the choice he made. And, you know, when you're 19, uh, 20, and you come from an area, you just don't, you don't know. You just figure, well, you know, I don't yeah. have a dad. So, you know, it just makes sense. She doesn't have a dad, right? Yeah. And so I was in this relationship for about seven years, and it was just another emotional, toxic relationship. Um, and I try to run away from it, and I try to get out of it and for seven years, and I just... I just didn't have uh, the strength to do it, and um, and the other. I think it was one time I was in another moment of pain, and I was crying in my bed, and I just was crying out to God. Mm-hmm. I just began to cry out to God, and I said, "I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this. I can't take this pain, and I want it to end." And I remember writing a letter to God, which I still have. Oh I wow. Was that was when I was 25, and I think, because I, I gave my life to Christ at 20, 28. Mm-hmm. And I was 25, and I remember writing a letter to God, and I still have it. I went through my treasure box last night, mm-hmm. um, because the, those were the, the memories that were coming yeah. uh, when you asked me to come and, and share a little bit about my testimony. And so I pulled out my letter, and I read the letter, because... I've never, prior to me coming to the Lord, I never read the Bible, mm-hmm. other than Psalms 91. That, in a Puerto Rican <laughs> house, you read. Psalms 91. <laughs> and, you know, that was the only thing. You know, if you get scared, read Psalms 91, uh-huh. you know? But I've never, you know, other than that, to me, it was, you know, I didn't have no understanding of it. And when I read that letter that I wrote to God, in my pain, I'm crying out. And I use scripture that I've never read. Interesting. Yes. And I said, uh, your word said, you said um, that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Huh. You know, mm-hmm. um, that I should call out to you and you will answer. I didn't know. I, didn't know. I never had a relationship with God. <laughs> right. You know, but it goes to show you that how in tune that there's always an awareness in us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how we were created. Yeah. Uh, and I, two years after, you know, I go in this, I'm done. I run, I grab my things. I grab my child. I relocate to, uh, New Jersey, uh, just finding, just trying to start anew. Just, I needed something different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I moved to, I moved in with my biological dad because he lived out there. And he says, come and, you know, we'll help you get back on your feet and, you know, whatever you need. And I said, okay, fine, dad. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll take the offer and I'll come. You know, it's, it's a lot better than where I'm at. And so I did. We relocated. And, um, and one random day, I was in the office and um, I heard a voice, like internal voice, and said, you need to go to church. And I'm thinking, I was going on my cigarette break. And I was like, <laughs> you need to go to church. And I'm like, huh, okay, well, fine. You know, I'll, you know, I was like I said, I was fearless. So if I yeah. had a voice, I would just go, yeah, sure, why not? I don't have anything to lose. Yeah. So I started asking around in my, uh, at my workplace, yeah, hey, do you go to church, you know? And they're like, well, yes, you know, I, I go to a church. And, and, uh, but I won't be here this weekend, but you'll come next. And I said, okay, sure, no problem. But my sister had uh, given her life to uh, the Lord a year before. 
And so oh. she said, well, there's a church I can take you to. And I said, okay, fine. You know, I'll come with you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, whatever. And so we went and um, they had an amazing um, service. And I sat all the way in the back because remember, I'm coming uh-huh. in. And I feel like <laughs> the woman with the alabaster box. <laughs> And, you know, but I was so much, I was, I had so much pride yet. I, you know, it's funny because even pride is sometimes is a cover up for the brokenness that is within you. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was so puffed up more than the, you know, Pillsbury. Did you have your knife on you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, had I we- left it home. <laughs> I left it home. I left it home. There's always that little, you know, side where you just. There were certain things I would not do, and out of respect for my grandma, because that was the part that she did, um, uh, was able to impart in some ways as a little girl, I observed her. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I didn't do it, but I was ready to hit anybody that came along <laughs> my way. And uh, But I'm going to tell you, so I was there, and I was sitting in the back, and the altar call was um, for those who are um, bitter and who need to forgive and who are angry, and um, and, uh, and my sister said, well, would you like to go? And I looked, would you like to go up there for prayer? And I said, uh, no. I'm like, I don't hate anybody. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I don't need, I'm not angry with anybody. And I'm thinking, but that's deception. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I mean, I, I was blind as a bat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, we did, we, um, I went to the altar. I said, okay, fine. You know, I went to the altar. And I'm walking, you know, up and just kind of seeing how this whole thing is going to turn out, you know. And, um, and all of a sudden I get to the altar and I see this uh, gentleman. He happens to work in my uh, department. Huh. Um, and I never spoke to him, but I was not having that, you know, remember, because I was hurt. Uh, man was absolutely, had no value to me. Mm-hmm. And they were a threat to me. And so I would not, I don't want you in my personal space. Mm -hmm. So my workplace was like, I don't want anybody near me, especially a man. So as I'm coming to the altar, um, you know how they have now, you know, the prayer team. Yeah. And, um, and they would have two lanes and, you know, you go to the right and you go to the left. And as the the more I got closer to the front, I'm like, there is no way that I'm going to let that man pray for me. There is no way. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't believe this is what I'm going internally because I'm like, I was, I was getting angry, yeah. you know, cause I'm like, I, there's no way I'm going to let this man pray for me. And then he's going to be at my job. No, that's too personal. Uh, and I, I'm just having this chaos moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> morning. Anyway. So guess who gets to pray for right. me? <laughs> of course. So when I get up there, he's like, um, He's like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, fine. Did he recognize you? Yes. Okay. That was the worst part about it. You know, because I'm like, okay, just get this. Let's get this over with whatever it is that you call this to be. Mm -hmm. And I'll be on my way. And so he asked me the question. He said, "Um, um, what can I pray for you? And... um, And I just had that deer, you know, that deer headlights stare. Mm -hmm. And he knew. He knew. So he just kind of honed in on me and said, can I ask you a question? You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm like, you know, I grab my purse. I grab my purse and I'm like, you know, I kind of toss my hair and I'm like, I'm like, who doesn't know Jesus? Because now I'm like, now you're insulting my intelligence. Yeah. You know? And he says, well, do you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior? And I'm thinking, well, what do I have to do? Like, what? 
And he's like, you just have to just pray and receive in your heart. And I'm like, okay, whatever. All right. Whatever okay. I have to do to get me out of this yes. moment. I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever. Okay. Just, what do I do? And he's like, just close your eyes and, um, and just, you know, I'm going to say a prayer and you can just follow through. And, oh my God, this was like having an out of body experience mm-hmm. because, um, I felt a whirlwind within myself, like this wind, um, it weakened my legs and I began to shake. I was, I knew it was supernatural. I mm-hmm. knew that what I was experiencing, um, was, was out of my control. And so I went back to the pew and uh, my sister said, oh, you know, how, how was it? And I said, can't you tell him a mess? I need to go. I need to go. Because We've got I'm, to leave. We got to leave because <laughs> this is just not cool. Yes. This is not my cool. This is not good for my reputation. Do you understand? Uh-huh. And so the gentleman came before I left and, you know, he was excited. He was like, uh, he took me to the word and, you know, um, read to me, you know, all things have passed away. Behold, or things, if you're a new creation in Christ, I yeah. had no idea what he was talking. I was just sure. like, okay, yeah, okay, right, dude, I need to go. And um, so I dodged him at work because it's like, no, you pray for me, but that's it. You're not getting closer. Uh-huh. Don't, you know. Um, and from that moment on, I was just undone. I just, I became just on fire for God. I didn't know what was happening. I, I, all I knew was I experienced a love that I've never felt before. Mm -hmm. And I needed to explore. I needed to find it because it didn't cost me anything. You know, it didn't cost me anything. And so I needed to, I've never been loved like this. I, I've never felt this love. I, what is this, you know, Mm -hmm. and who is this Jesus that, that, I was just introduced to that I yeah. can't see, but I certainly felt, yeah. you know, an experience, an encounter. I had an encounter with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that following the next following weeks, uh, the guy that I was dating was coming up. And, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to tell him, you know, we can't have no sex, you know, because now I went from this, you know, swinging chandelier queen to no sex. I am, you know, born again. Yeah. And I am, we can do this, you know. <laughs> um, and so I was, you know, anticipating because he was coming and he wanted to live, you know, I'm going to come, you know, move in with you and we're just going to work this out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, I'm running from you. And you just keep running after me. And I remember ha- going to bed that night. And, um, and just preparing for that moment mm-hmm. when he came. And I remember I had the most uh, frightening spiritual warfare ever. And it frightened me. It, yeah. was, it was the first. I, ex- I had a spiritual warfare. I felt a, um, a demonic attack on me. I couldn't get up from my bed. I couldn't breathe. And I remember just seeing myself just screaming, Jesus. And, and, the, and I was able to breathe. So I fell on my knees and I said, oh my God, you know, cause I, I did not know at that time I couldn't discern the yeah. voice of God from the enemy. Yeah. You know, I just had gotten saved a few weeks and you know, I did not know that, that the enemy came to cause fear. Mm. Um, and so I went back to bed and when I went back to bed after being up and, and crying and, and just crying out to God, I heard a gentle voice um, and it said, let him go let him go. And so the next day after ha- having that encounter, you know, when he came, I was like, I just, I didn't even give him time to sit down and have it. I didn't even offer him a glass of water on his journey, his three hour drive. <laughs> his journey. <laughs> I was like, I need to handle this. And, you know, and 
So I said to him, I'm sorry, but you know, I've come to know Jesus. You can't, we can't, you can't be in my life anymore. I have to let you go. And, mm-hmm. and he just sat there with a dumbfound look on his face. Like, wait a minute, we've been together for seven years and you're leaving me not for another man, but yeah. for Jesus, for Jesus. And I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. He's, he's the other, you know, man that I'm leaving you for. I yeah. just, I can't do this anymore. And uh, so it took me about, it took me a long time. I would say maybe about three months to really break free from the soul tie, as mm-hmm. we know it now, yeah. emotional. Um, because um, I didn't know any, I, I, he was all I, I had in my life. Yeah. You know, and uh, he was my protector. He had become my protector, my provider, mm-hmm. you know, and everything I knew. And I, I was here and I was like, I'm taking the leap of faith, as we call it now, and just be obedient and obey. Mm-hmm. So I did. I packed my stuff took me three months I packed my stuff and I said I gotta move to find this Jesus and so I picked up my child and <laughs> and I you know I, I moved out from my townhouse in New Jersey and I went to live in a little apartment in um, in, um, in the Bronx um, and I had I just I gave up everything I sold everything everything that I had every possession that I had mm-hmm. uh, that represented for my past I just wanted just my past to be erased yeah um, and, um, and I moved on and, um, and I went to follow Jesus. Uh, I didn't know where I was going and where I was headed, but I needed to find uh, my place and, and this new love I found. Yeah. And um, so it's been, what, 23 years since I've been serving the Lord. Wow. You know, so. Um, That's amazing. And okay, sorry, I, I want to backtrack again. Um, when you were, you said when you were 13 or 14 was mm-hmm. when. Um, the childhood abuse stopped, the sexual abuse. Yes. Is that right? Yes. What What caused that to stop? I mean, what was the ending point? I was no longer around those individuals. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you just mm-hmm. removed yeah. or yeah. removed from I that situation. Still, yes. Okay. And then and when so you were 15 was when you had the abortion. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so young. Yes. And so can we talk a little more about that? Are you comfortable yes. with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you realized you were pregnant, what went through your mind at that point? Um, I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why because I, I had gotten my cycle at the age of 10, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I maybe because for many reasons I would think, number one, because I was uh, doing my own thing. I was not even thinking about yeah. it sex was not talked about in my home yeah um nor educated you know um and so i just i didn't believe it and that's when my mom took me to the doctor mm-hmm. someone told her i think she's pregnant mm-hmm. and um and um so she took me to the doctor and i was disbelieved but i didn't fight um or spoke or said anything because my body was never my own yeah so why would now it be any different? Mm-hmm. So the abortion, mm-hmm. I mean, you, that wasn't you saying like, hey, I, I want to go get an abortion. Oh, no. That decision was made for you. Yeah, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what an abortion was. Oh, wow. I didn't know what an abortion was. Mm-hmm. So that's why it was so traumatic because it wasn't, you know, they have now certain procedures. Yeah. Um, but the procedure that I had done my goodness gracious, at my age, mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't think doctors even talk about that. It was a very traumatic experience for me. Um, and you were by yourself, right? I was by myself. Okay. I remember just being, uh, you know, dropped off at the hospital, and the nurse came in, prepped me up, gave me a gown, and told me, you know, took me to the bed, and she says, um, you just lay here. They put the IV, and they said, um, the doctor will be in. And I said, okay. There was no, and the doctor came and felt my stomach, and um, and he said, well, we're going to, um, you're going to feel a little pressure, and... Um, and, uh, but it's gonna be okay. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, I'm with doctors and they dropped me off here and surely they know what they're doing. And I guess, yeah, I mean, so they pulled, he pulled out a, um, an, a big needle and he inserted it in my abdomen. Mm. Nobody explained anything to me. And I felt like a mo- the baby was moving. He was mm. fighting for its life. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, feeling pressure. You know, I, I don't know. No one is explaining. So I get up to go to the bathroom. And as I feel that pressure, and when I get up and I'm standing over the sink, um, that's when I, I the baby comes out. And um, it was fragments. My God. And... Um, so I start crying, I start screaming, the nurse comes in and she cleans it up and uh, says, it's gonna be okay. You know, just cleans it up, does whatever. And as I am making my way to my bed, um, there was another patient next to me. She was further along, she was further along. So not only did I went through my own, I witnessed the lady's mm. um, abortion taking place as well. Mm-hmm. So at 15, I go and I try to console her. And I said, and she's crying and she's in pain. And I said, it's going to be okay. You're okay. And at that moment, she was having the same abdominal pain. See, because whatever, whatever um, liquid fluid was inserted was to disintegrate and break. This is, this is what's happening. This is what yeah. they're doing with abortion. Yeah. It's very real. And um, I, was, I, was, I was traumatized. Mm-hmm. I was traumatized. And, um, and after that, uh, the nurse came and, 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 and cleaned her up and told me, you go back to your bed. And so I went back to, you know, and I laid in my bed. And um, they did a vaginal exam. And, um, and they said to me, uh, we, they just started wheel me in because uh, I was still having pains. And yeah. at that moment, I psychologically at 15, I was done. Yeah, I was done. So I remember just curling under the sheets in a fetal position, and I started um, sucking my thumb. Mm. And those are signs. Those traumatic. Yeah. And we go into that, you know, uh, fetal infant. Mm-hmm. Uh, position and she came the nurse came took the sheets off my head because I had covered myself and she said uh, we have to take you in um, your placenta did not completely come through we're gonna have to do a procedure I had no idea I don't know what that meant yeah I don't know what that meant um, so they just did whatever 
And three days later, they wheeled me out to the front of the hospital and I was picked up and never to speak of that again. So you and your mom never talked about it? We never talked about it. That was not discussed. That was never spoken of. Um, And I always believed that my toxic, uncontrolled behavior was because that's who I was. Because that's what they said, because that's what my mom would say. You know, I was out of control, rebellious child. Um, no one can control me. Mm-hmm. And it was not um, until I was in my 40s, 43 maybe, I would say 43, mm-hmm. when the Lord positioned me to be healed from that trauma. Wow. And then I realized and I learned at that moment about um, the post, you know, post. Uh, traumatic uh, Mm -hmm. stress disorder due to abortion Mm -hmm. and all the symptoms that fall behind that which is suicide promiscuity drugs and then it all made sense to me yeah there was a a reason there was a reason that caused you know my life to spiral um, to a whole different darkness than than before and um and so I remember uh, just being, having lunch with a friend who was going to do, she said, I'm going to do an abortion recovery yeah, group. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. And, I, and I, we're having lunch at Olive Garden. And I said, okay, fine. Yes, I'll help you. I mean, we've been doing, you know, uh, helping and doing ministry for, you know, over, you know, uh, close to, what, 16 years together. Uh-huh. So I said, I'll help you whatever you need. And in that moment... I, my heart just start. I've never told anybody that, never. Mm. I didn't even tell her. Yeah. You know why I was helping her. Yeah. And I just started crying, and, and I and I knew, I knew it was time. I knew the mm. Lord wanted was positioning me to get healing from that shame and that trauma. And I said to her, I said, Oh my God! I said, um, I have to tell you something. I have to share something with you. And she said what is it? And I said, you know, I had an abortion and I started telling her about it and I'm crying there at Olive Garden. And I'm like, <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, Oh, you need to go through this abortion recovery. Uh-huh. And I'm like, um, okay. If you say so, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that, and that's cause I've experienced that with you. Mm-hmm, uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, from you on the teaching end, um, with, the ministry you and I served in together, um, serving survivors of human trafficking. And I have never in my life experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which isn't it like 10 weeks long or something? It's, it's yeah, a, it's about between, yeah, eight or nine weeks long of yeah. uh, Bible study. Yeah. Um, that uh, takes the woman through the process of, um, uh, finding the healing mm-hmm. um, and also closure mm-hmm. and forgiving themselves. Yeah. Um, and and I remember, I mean, I, because so you did that with um, with the women one on one. It was a one on one thing. And then at the end of it, at the end of those eight or nine weeks, mm-hmm. um, she was, you know, allowed to invite whoever she wanted to it's like a like a ceremony it's a ceremony Mm -hmm. and I remember the first one you know one of the ladies um that was in the program that 
and, and I was invited and I just had no clue what I was walking into. I mean, it was, it was like one of the most emotional gut wrenching things I've ever experienced because they, um, you know, uh, they can dedicate like a worship song to their Mm -hmm. lost child or children. Mm -hmm. There's multiple, Mm -hmm. um, they can give a name to their child if they haven't yet. I mean, it's very personal, very intimate. And I remember this one particular woman that, um, she had gone through it and I think she had had three Mm -hmm. abortions. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, uh, y'all had like the little, uh, cloth, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. dolls. Yes. And she had, oh God, it's like, I, I just remember it like it was yesterday. She had all three of them in her mm-hmm. arms and she was on her face yeah. screaming at the top of her lungs. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was, it was me and you and there were only like two other people there that she had mm-hmm. invited. And I had to physically like turn and I had to face the wall because I was like, it was so, it was powerful. And and I knew the Holy Spirit was healing her in that moment, but man, yeah. it just to sit and watch someone walk through that and the pain that she was in. Mm-hmm. And so, um, oh gosh. And so just, it, it was just really powerful and, um, to experience, you know, just, just on that end of it. So, uh, I can only yeah. imagine on yeah. the receiving end of that healing, you know, what, what that's like and, and just to feel God just healing you from the inside out like that. Yeah. The thing is, is that God, you know, the very darkness within our lives that from our past, God, that's why he he turns it, he he turns the, you know, beauty for ashes. He gives us beauty for ashes. Yeah. And one of the things that is my heart, that that is because I come from such a place of brokenness and, 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 and pain and darkness that that is my heart. My heart is for the loss, for the for the ones that are broken, lost, rejected, yeah. and those who secretly are in pain. Because, you know, one of the things that the enemy does, um, he gives it, what I call the three S's, the sin, the shame, and the secret. And that's where he keeps you. Mm-hmm. And if he can keep you there, he keeps you in bondage. Mm-hmm. And abortion, um, sexual abuse, um, and all these um, experiences of trauma that we as women face, um, you know, we have to find a safe ground, a place of safety that we can talk about it and share. Yeah. Because the, ha- the healing has to happen. Um, and so, you know, that's why I, I give my heart and I will do those one-on-one with women who come to me or are, are referred to me because yeah. they, they want to walk through that or they want to share that, that secret. Um, and there's nothing more beautiful than to see God heal them yeah, from, from something that, because there is a, a, a weight of, of, of heaviness and grief that stays uh, within us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and we just don't, the, the moment the, the infant may be gone, but your life is marked forever. Yeah. And you can't run from that. Mm-hmm. You cannot. Yeah. You know. It's very powerful. Um, that, and, and what a, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, for, for you, you know, now that you have healed from that, to be able to turn around and help others heal. I mean, what an, what an honor <laughs> and what a privilege, you know, that you get to walk alongside other women who have been there and are, are finding their healing and getting that restoration. I imagine that's such a, 
beautiful and rewarding experience that you get to be a part of that and be a part of their story. Yes, um, I that's that is a blessing for me, you yeah. know. And so, you know, as as this is really, I can say my first time outside of my group um, from that abortion recovery. Um, I like to call mine, you know, redemption mm-hmm. um, from from the abortion mm-hmm. uh, because there is a redeeming power. That but this is the first time that I publicly speak of it outside of my wow. inner circle. Um, wow. Because it is, it is something that just I recently just—it's been a few years. Yeah. Um, but because it is so prevalent now, and because a lot of the lives of the women have been um, really um, broken as a result of this, mm-hmm. it has to be something that we need to speak on. Okay, so when you got pregnant, you said you got pregnant at 19 with Kiki, Kiki your yes. oldest. Mm-hmm. So was there any? Um, was there any like fear or any of those former thoughts from when you were pregnant at 15? And yes. Oh my goodness. Um, Kiki, Kirsten, my, my, I tell her she saved my life. Uh, after I found out that I was pregnant, I went to the hospital and my younger sister was with me. Um, and I had sort of, I had made my mind up like, okay, well, I guess I have to have an abortion because that's what you do. Yeah. And so I went to the hospital and, um, and I had an ultrasound done. And because I had my younger sister, I came up with the story of, well, you know, um, baby's not going to make it or something to that effect that I had said to her. And she's just started crying. But it was really my little sister who really... Um, had a major impact um, at that time yeah. in my life because she was excited. She Aww. was excited. And um, so I went home and I was, I changed my mind and I said, okay, fine. But that did not mean that I, just because I didn't choose the abortion at that mo- moment, that I did not do things to cost me to miscarriage mm. or at least try to. Yeah. And, um, so I would do all the heavy stuff and all the crazy stuff that I would do just just to, you know. Yeah. Uh, to try to terminate the pregnancy somehow. Right. Um, but God had a purpose. God had a purpose for her. And, mm-hmm. um, and I always tell her that she saved my life because it was at that turning point that, um, you know, I, um, I stopped drinking. I stopped, um, you know, doing drugs. Um, and, um, so it was something that, although it was unplanned, you know, God had a purpose, mm-hmm. God turned it into a purpose, I should say. Yeah. And, um, and so as you know now, I mean, she, I always tell her, you're, you're just the most precious gift. Both of my girls are. Yeah. Um, but uh, but as you know, you know, I mean, she's a worship leader now. She's, yeah. She lo- she just loves the Lord and she's phenomenal. Um, she has a heart for the broken. And I tell my girls, you know, I, I have to tell you though, Leanne, I will say this: I am I carry my concealed weapon. <laughs> I do. Yeah, you and do. And I tell my girls, I call them my girls and my <laughs> ladies. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you need me to come get you you call me (laughs) and I tell them that because I never had that done for me 
And I use that, you know, sense of humor, but I do let him know for the, you know, the reasons that I don't want anyone to feel, I know what that feels like. Um, and I don't want anyone to be in that position, uh, not to, to feel like they don't have anyone, uh, to come to their aid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I just know from personal experience, you know, I've never had to call you to bring your concealed weapon, (laughs) but I do know that when you take that flip flop off and you start waving it around, I'm like, she's serious. It's about to go down. She's about to hurt some money. The flip flop. Yes. The flip flop. Oh my God. Yes. Cause I tell my girls, that's how I tell them. I said, don't make me use my flip flop. Go do what you need to do. Uh-huh. Come on. And then you when can you, do it. when you start going into your Spanglish mm-hmm. in my between, Spanglish. Yeah. when you, when you start mixing English and Spanish, I'm like, yeah, here she goes. Somebody's in trouble. So yeah, that's, oh my goodness. So, you are a protector for a lot of people, um, physically and, and spiritually as well. So now that you're on the other side of salvation, mm-hmm. How, how many years? Oh, 23. Okay. 23. Um, and so you got radically saved and you just started living for the Lord. So, um, I mean, we talked about the abortion recovery um, and that you help mm-hmm. women walk through that healing. And so what are some other things that the Lord has led you to do just ministry wise? Like what are, I mean, what are some things you're doing? Mm-hmm. Well, um, two things, um, you know, I'm, both of the things that I've done um, are, number one, I do the um, abortion recovery mm-hmm. um, for women. I also do the Keys to Freedom, which you know that it's by Nancy Alcorn. Yes, yes. And uh, recently, um, the Lord asked me to put a um, council room in my, in my home to be able to provide uh, a space mm-hmm. f- to bring the women into that place yeah. and, um, and have those one-on-one. Um, so he told me, um, uh, I call it face to face, face to face encounter mm-hmm. with God. And so uh, from there I do the, uh, one-on-one spiritual counseling. I do the keys to freedom. I'll do the abortion recovery as well. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that is I'm very active in the community. Mm-hmm. So I do, um, I have this face to face special advocacy, uh, for family and children's in crisis, mm-hmm. uh, primarily focusing, um, on the women's side. Um, because, um, we have a lot of women who are in need of services. Yeah. Um, so I will advocate for them in the courthouse, uh, help them obtain, um, orders of protection for women who have been victimized. Um, I will provide, um, services, you know, within the community referrals. Uh, I work closely with the Hispanic community now. Um, so I stay involved, actively yeah. involved in the community cause it's so needed. Um, but I still have that little uh, place yeah. um, for that intimacy for those who are in need. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And what uh, what is it called? The court? It ca- casa? Oh, is that- casa. It's court appointed special advocate. Yeah. Yes, and that is through volunteer youth, um, youth justice. Okay. And uh, they're a very large organization here in our community that. Um, um, that provide services to a family and children. Mm-hmm. And I serve there now probably about, mm, I would say about five years, five or five years. Yeah. As um, in different, um, you know, my services, it's advocacy. I do advocacy for the children. I do also, I've done um, mentorship for the programs, mm-hmm. teach. Um, so I've, I've gotten really involved 
Yeah. Um, they're a phenomenal organization. Um, so I stay active in the community to make sure that I can um, provide those services and referrals mm. for the women that are in need. Yeah, that's so cool. So a question for you. What is some, I mean, you've walked through so much in your lifetime and you've survived so much. So what is, what's some advice that you would give to someone who may, who may be listening to this podcast or maybe walking through any situation, whether that be abuse, um, abandonment, abortion recovery. I mean, any, anything like that, that you've experienced, what's some advice that you would give to her? Um, my advice to them would be if it's something that has not been shared or spoken to find a place to do so mm-hmm. uh, because it is time to find healing um, and that there is a redeem- redemption in Christ and there is a way to completely be whole uh, in your soul um, and find freedom you don't have to live in that in that shame yeah. and that secret um, and um, you know the word of God says confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed you know and pray for the elders of the church and they can anoint you with oil and but the whole the whole point of that is find yourself someone that you can confide in mm-hmm. so you can come into agreement together and um, pray for you mm-hmm. uh, and help you find that healing if you if you're still in a domestic violent situation my recommendations is you still need to find help tell someone tell someone because domestic violence is um, is something that can be detrimental and it can it can cost you your life yeah uh, and then if there's children involved um, it's not a healthy environment mm-hmm. and um, and there are ways, there are resources that they can tap into and be helped. And I think a lot of people think, oh, well, you get saved and you get radically. No, your soul has to go through a process of healing. Your soul has to have a, pro- a process of transformation. And depending on, on, on the experiences and, and what you've been exposed to and your soul has been impacted with will determine the length or how God will lovingly and and wonderfully take you through that process of healing. You know, definitely. That's beautiful. So, um, That's great advice. Well, this is the uh, this scripture I've been meditating on. Okay. Um, but I just want to share it because you're talking about the others, and I love this. Um, it's at Psalms one thirty nine uh, verses five through six, and this is the Passion translation. Is and it says, "You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me." to spare me from the harm of my past. Mm. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. I love that scripture. Yeah. I love that scripture because even now, I mean, because you think about it, it's not so much about where I was because even in Christ, we will go through things. Yeah. We will go through things. Maybe not like before, but there will be trials. There will be challenges. There mm-hmm. will be situations um, that we will 
walkthrough. Yeah. And to always remember that he he goes before us and prepare the way. I love that. Um, okay, well, we'll move on to our fun, lighthearted questions. So now that we've talked about the, mm-hmm. the heavy stuff, we'll talk about some light, yes. fun-hearted stuff. Um, okay, so in your life, in the life of Mama Liz, Puerto Rican princess Mama Liz, what are three things that you do every day? Every day. Um, well, I get up in the morning and um, I open my eyes and I know it's a new day and I go, oh Lord, it's a new day. It's a new day. Embrace yourself. I brace myself before yeah. I put my feet on the, on, the, um, on the floor. But I make my Puerto Rican coffee and uh, <laughs> I can't do without. I make my Puerto Rican coffee uh-huh. and then I have a little quiet time, reflect. Um, those are my, my, when you ask me that question, I just think about what's the first thing I do in the morning. Yeah. And Puerto Rican coffee, is that better than American coffee? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's that, that, yeah, I always say to make it uh, grow a hair on your chest. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So what are some books that you have read or maybe are reading, um, that have really impacted your life? Um, two books. I, I I've written a lot of books, but mm-hmm. The first two books that came to mind was Holiness, Truth, and the Presence of God by Francis uh, Fragenpain. Fragenpain, yes. Mm, okay. Ugh, that was intense. It's a journey through holiness, a uh, journey of holiness to the presence of God. Mm. And um, and The Fear of the Lord by John Bevere. Oh. oh mm. I haven't read that one. Oh, get ready. I haven't even heard of the first one. but No. Uh-uh. You have to read those two books. Okay. Um, it was really, really impactful in my uh, life. And as I enter in, as my daughter calls it, Mom, you always walk in the ninth heaven. But it just <laughs> positioned me and the reverence of the Lord. Uh-huh. And that's what that is about. What is the holiness? Holiness of God and the presence yeah. of God um, and the reverence of God, which is in a lot of ways kind of, we don't see that as much now, um, but when you experience that and you have that moment, uh, and they, it's a very simple read, but it's so beautifully in depth. And during those times, um, I was really experiencing and having encounters with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really helped me hone in on that. And the fear of the Lord by John Bevere. Well, hmm. well, well, Mr. <laughs> well. John, John Bevere. Yes, it was. A, it it also goes along with you know, uh, talking about the reverence of the Lord and the fear of the Lord and, mm-hmm. and, uh, his holiness as well. Um, but, um, but mm. you know, John Bevere is like in your face. Yeah, he is in your face. That's why I was but, like, Oh <laughs> yes. But that's what I, yeah, but it's a absolutely, um, I would recommend it if you want, if you're seeking that deep intimacy, mm-hmm. um, I would recommend that. So I would definitely, those were my two top. Ooh, those me. are good. Yeah. yeah. For me. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last question to you, what are two things about you that may surprise people? Oh, I don't like doing my hair. You don't, why? I don't like <laughs> doing my hair, styling my hair. I would put, I, I would put my hair, nobody knows this, everybody thinks that I, you know, do my hair, but I don't. You have, I, I know you have great it. hair. I style it, or I curl it, and I will put it in a bun and tie it and not brush it for a couple of days and just <laughs> pass my fingers through. 
<laughs> and I get a lot of compliments from that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Your hair always looks great. Mm. That is surprising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What a gift you have that you just have great hair. You don't have to style it. You just have great hair. That's funny. Okay, so you don't like to style your hair. Mm-mm-mm. And then what What else? Something that may surprise people. Oh, um, I'm afraid of heights. Really? I'm afraid of heights. Anything? Fr- what, does it, does that go back to a no, childhood memory? No, no. no? I'm af- I don't know why. I have to be honest. You know, I'm not, you know, although I, like my daughter says, I walk in the ninth heaven, I, I have my little my little things here and there. And that's the funny thing about it, because I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, I, I'll stand up to any giant, you know, and, mm-hmm. and but don't tell me to look down a 20-story <laughs> building. I'll be like, oh, no, it's okay, I'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, again, you and Philip have something in common. I'm about to out him right here on this podcast. He's going to kill me. Um, Philip also does not like heights. And mm-hmm. so every year when we put Christmas lights on our house, it is a fiasco mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, heights don't bother me. I mean, you know, I don't like necessarily want to go stand on the edge of a, like you said, 20 story building, but. Um, but I mean, I've been bungee jumping and, you know, mm-hmm, all that kind mm-hmm, of stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, in every year, I'm like, babe, just let me do it. Like, mm-hmm. just let me put the light. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me to be on the roof. And he, I guess it's a man thing. He will not let me do it. But I'm like, but you hate being on the roof. <laughs> and the whole time he's up there, he's complaining. <laughs> he's like, I hate doing this. I hate putting lights on the roof because he hates heights. But he won't let me do it. Oh, so my goodness. I just stand out there and you know, support him from the ground and tell him he's doing great. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, that's major. I, I think it's the, um, the, the, um, not being able, or I guess afraid of not having, you know, control. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I won't go on roller coasters. Now you tell me go on, on an, on a helicopter, a propeller plane or something. I'm like, let's go. What? I know. But roller coasters, no. No, absolutely not. No, no. Is it because you think, because like this roller coaster is man made and it could. No, I did want, no, I did once. I just don't like the feeling of it. I don't like the feeling of it. Yeah. I don't like the feeling of it. That, that actually does surprise me because especially in your past BC before Mm -hmm. Christ, Mm -hmm. You were so fearless, mm-hmm. and it was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's, I mean, you carried a knife on you, mm-hmm. and you impersonated a cop and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get drugs. <laughs> you know, um, she's been redeemed, everyone. Um, yes. But you don't like roller coaster. Like, it seems like to me you lived such a thrilling kind of edge-of-your-seat mm-hmm. life, but then it's like, but don't put me on a roller coaster or, you know. I don't want to go skydiving or bungee jumping or whatever. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. No way. Oh, all right. That does surprise me. Yes. Mm-hmm. That got that, that got me. Both of those got me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I just want to say thank you, Miss Liz, for just taking, first of all, taking time out of your day to come over mm-hmm. here and talk to me, but, um, but also just for being vulnerable and sharing your story and bringing healing to a lot of people I know your story will bring encouragement and healing to a lot of hearts so um and just thank you for for what you've been for me you know all these years and for me and Philip together mm-hmm. um like I said you've just been such a rock and such a safe place for us and um that's something that you know is just such a precious gift for us so thank you mm-hmm. thank you for being oh, that no 
thank you for having yeah. me and thank you for sharing your life with me. Oh my gosh, of course. I'll share my life with you any day. You just bring that flip flop. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh. Well, thank you, Miss Liz. This was great. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for listening today and celebrating one year of podcasting with us. It's been an incredible year, and we hope to have many more in our future. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, your coworkers, your family, your mama, your sister, your brother, whoever you think may be encouraged by these testimonies. We want to keep spreading the love of Jesus because that's what it's all about anyway, right? Right. All right, y'all. See you next time on Get Up, Girl. <laughs>